So we've been just on a sprint, really, covering um, little snippets of what is going on in the life of a people who have been in exile, and God has said that he is going to restore them and bring them back to their homelands and restore them not only in their own identity, but in also anything that had to do with their lives, such as spirituality, social culture. And we said that we can cover this history by reading the book of Ezra, book of Nehemiah, and book of Esther. So today we've really come to the final bit because I thought it would be good for us to celebrate our covenanting together, really, with what is going on also in the book of Ezra. It's not an easy book, um, and uh, it's not an easy history, or it's not also easy to see it from the perspective, because we see from the whole picture, basically everything is happening just a month of 400, 430 years before the coming of the Messiah. And all of these things are pre-leading to that coming of the Messiah. And very soon, even though the temple is being built, even though there is this desire and longing for um, reformation, for, for God to, to come and renew his people, there is still this idea that actually... To, yeah, this idea that, again, they, they, they've fallen away from what God has called them to do. So for us, one of the reasons why I wanted to do Ezra is that actually it's, it's one of those wake-up calls to say that we are not examined by falling away from God. It's very big challenging because... We've dealt with different aspects of life. And today we're going to be dealing with three things. As the, these exiles come into their homelands and they want to establish their, their life. They've been doing all sorts of things. God has been on the move. They have been responded. Um, Ezra has been quite significant in leading the people and pointing them. Um, and today we're going to see another side of Ezra. So we come at a difficult part as well of the book because chapters 9, chapters nine and 10 of the book of Ezra are not the easiest to read and we will explore that. But one of the things that comes immediately from uh, if we read chapter 9 and I just wanted to start reading only the first three ver- verses is that we know that they've just had a bunch of um, feasts and celebrations and the people have come to terms with the reality that they want their lives restored and stuff. And Ezra writes, starts chapter 9 saying, After these things have been done, the leaders came to me, says Ezra, and said, The people of Israel, including the priests and the Levites, have not them." Kept self, sorry, have not kept themselves separate from the neighboring peoples with their detestable practices like those of the Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Jezebites, Ammonites, Moabites, Egyptian, Egyptians, and the Amorites. So, 
it's really tricky to be in a leadership position like Ezra and you've got people coming your way and saying that something is wrong. Something is wrong even with the leaders. The leaders come back and they bring back reports about the priests and the Levites not living separate lives, the lives that God had appointed them. So, the first lesson that I'd like to, 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 to grasp this morning with you is that actually leading God's way is costly. It's costly for Ezra because on the basis of his, this information that he has got, he has to act. But also, I think, it's costly because the people that were supposed to be leading God's people in the right way, they've been messing about. So, if we're talking about renewal, if we're talking about God bringing new life into the church, and I'm just bringing now the 21st century application, personally, I believe it has to start with leadership. I don't know how well this will translate in English, but we say in Albanian that the fish starts getting spoiled First from the head, and then moves on. Rotting. Rotting, Yeah. So the the fish gets rotten first from the head, and then it moves on. And, I mean, translate it, do whatever you want. But I think this is a very important lesson. And this is one of the things that are just being challenging, because this is the thing that me as a church leader have to... To, to, to grapple with God and saying, asking the question, are we leading God's church in God's way? Because it's costly. And this is the place where I plead with you as part of the covenant that we did, that you pray for us. You pray for the elders. You pray for those who are in the ministry position. Because it could be something very, very easy that we can just drop the ball without realizing. It could be little things that we are unaware of. But I want to go back to that leading God's way, it's costly, because being a leader like Ezra is not popular. And we can read that in chapter 9, he comes up with a decision which actually in the 21st century, it's quite atrocious because the people, especially the leaders, the priests and the Levites who have married other women from other neighboring nations, they had broken the promises that they, well, that God had given them and the instructions that God had given them. And therefore, Ezra has to come up with this new, well, it's not new, has to come up with this decision that's saying, actually, in order for us to show 
repentance, that we're truly meaning that God is renewing us, we need to make a drastic decision. So you guys that have married from the foreign nations have to leave them. Which is very hard. The young people are here as well in today. And I think this is one of those ethical passages of scripture that we have to grapple with. And say, God, what happens to those families that were separated? What happens to those ladies and children that have to move on because you were wanting to do a renewal with these people? It's a very difficult question. And I just want to say that at this stage, it is very good to see it in the context of the what God has been doing with this group of people, what were the areas that God was renewing them and was working them. You know, last two Sundays we've been talking about how the worship, how they were able to come and worship God, how the altar was established, how all these different areas of lives. And if you look at it in those terms, you're saying that perhaps God in his, I mean, This is my interpretation. Shoot me for it. I think perhaps God, in his mighty wisdom, he would have provided ways to provide for these families that were being separated. But in the same time, God had to be true to his name. God had to be true to what he had called this group of people to do. So we're dealing here with a lot of attributes of God that are working in the same time. And I think, again, I bring it there, and I think probably, I'm sure uh, with the study questions, you'll have some good discussions about this in your home groups, and we cannot explore it this morning. But I'm just saying that... um, in God's taking this initiative to say that this decision needed to be taken, it's very important that Ezra and the rest of the leaders are not, aw- not only aware that it's a good thing, but they're aware that God has called them into doing this and he's going to provide ways. Because... It's not only that it's costly to lead in God's way, but following God, God's way is costly. And the reason why I say that is that you can see it in the history of the people of Israel. You can see it the way that they approach Ezra when he declares this this decree, really. And they say, actually, we have messed about. We have forsaken your commands that you've given us through your servants and your prophets. And following your way, God, is hard work. It's costly. And we want to do it no matter what. This is a people that has come from exile, 
This is a, peop- a group of people that are wanting and are longing for this renewal to come. And they've come to the reality that they say that God has been true to his promises and to his covenants, and we have not been true. And therefore, there is that room there, again, for confession. There is that room there for repentance. There is that room there for saying, actually, following God's way is costly. But we've realized that we've done this on our own strength. And we have not come to that place of taking hold of what God has given to us and working on it. Now, being in the New Testament and being after the New Testament, I've said it, we've got it a little bit easier because the promises of Jesus coming and the promises of his Holy Spirit dwelling in us, they're fantastic. And I think we need to make use of them. The third thing that I wanted to talk to you about is that it's not only following God's way that is costly, but being God's people, it's costly. And the question that I've got is that we're talking about costs. And the question that I've dealt with and I've struggled with this week is am I prepared to pray to pay the price? For these guys they knew very well. If you read Ezra chapter eight and nine, if you read Nehemiah, they can tell you the whole story. They can tell you everything how God has been very good to them. They've passed on from generation to generation what God has done to them. They know that. I think paying the cost to be God's people is sometimes much bigger than what we can imagine or what we can foresee. And perhaps sometimes we get so much driven from from our emotions that we do not come to grasp the reality that actually if God is setting aside, setting apart a group of people to be holy, they ought to be set aside for his glory. Why am I doing this on a covenant service? Why is it so important for us as a church to be thinking and grappling with all this? Because actually, it is my prayer and it's my longing to see us as a community being set apart for God. It's my longing, it's my desire, it's a leadership desire to see each and every one of you walk, journey with Jesus in that call of discipleship which we've been very well reminded by David Lawrence, that discipleship is costly. Even Jesus said it. Whoever wants to follow me, cannot just say I want to follow you, but picks up his cross daily and follows me. Being his people is costly. And look at the reaction of people in Nehemiah. This is 
if you want to, to read a little bit more, this is how, how the story of this people in exile continues with Nehemiah. And this is part of the highlight of the book when Ezra and Nehemiah, after the law has been read, and they've been doing things um, as response to that, and they say, God, the great God, mighty and awesome, who keeps his covenant of love, and do not let all these hardships seem trifling your eyes. God, we know we're not where we should be, but we still rely on your grace and your mercy. Why is it costly to be, or why is it still costly to be the New Testament church? Why? Why do we still have to pay a price? Well, because that's what we've been promising to one another. Because that's what we've been asked by God. That's what we've been commissioned by Jesus. To be that church, that group of people. Which is, again, much, much more enormously extended that we don't have priests and Levites, but we do believe in the priesthood of all believers. So each and every one of us have got that responsibility of making sure that we are spiritually calibrated. Because Jesus says, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You're God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you're not a people, but now you are the people of God. So as we look into the year ahead of us, as we've been challenged by Ezra, and as we're going to be looking more into the scriptures in the coming months, I really want that what I prayed earlier on when we were praying with the band and what we were praying um, after the, um, we said the, com- the promises together, that I really, really long to see that what we have said today is a true reflection of what it truly means to be people of God. And I want to say this very boldly here today. I want to see that true reflection despite of the cost. Let's pray together. Lord, we have been challenged this morning by the story of a group of people who have messed messed up with things that have to do with you, with holy things. And Lord Jesus, I don't want for this story to be a story that will put us off for the coming months, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that... um, the things that we've learned this morning from Ezra will resonate for us 
And we'll be able to draw the lessons that will make us more passionate. A little bit like Jonty's illustration earlier on. That will make us passionate about you. Will make us passionate and courageous about the people that surround us and don't know you, Lord. And above all, Lord Jesus, I pray that the way that you have spoken to us through your scriptures will spark more fire into that longing to see your glory released in each and every one of us here. So we want to say, Lord, we don't want to take your word lightly today. And in whatever way you call us this year as a church to move on as your people, would you also be the provider of all the means that we need, Lord, to remain faithful to what you have called us. So, Lord, I just pray that you'd not only remind us of the promises, but you'd enable us to take a hold of them, endorse them, and make them true parts of our lives. The lives of our families, children, the next generation, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you are not finished with Cairns Road. And that good work that you started in us, you will finish till the day of Jesus Christ. So help us, Lord, to abide in you as you abide in us this year. In Jesus' name, amen.